everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Meaning in Code podcast. I am Bennett, and I'm joined by Lily once again. Hello, hello. This week, uh, we thought we'd do something a little different. We're going to do a quick kind of rapid fire Q&A with a bunch of questions that we've heard from software developers in the past, um, and hopefully it'll be helpful uh, for some of you. But um, today, I wanted to kick it off like we normally do with some type of thing that goes beyond coding. What What's something that's going on in your life, uh, Lily, that you've been grateful for recently? Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I went on a trip this weekend with a couple of friends. <laughs> so interesting. Um, and we went blueberry picking, which is a thing that I had never done before. Um, and was super fun, super cute. And, um, it worked out perfectly because I had like just been planning, uh, to make a cobbler with my roommate for a, a very special viewing event <laughs> that we were mm. going to do of, uh, there's a movie that just came out called red, white and Royal blue. And so we want, it's, it's like a British American thing. So we wanted to make British dinner and, and, uh, American dessert. And I was like, I'll make a cobbler. And then I had blueberries. So it worked out. It worked out really, really perfectly of just like every element of it was really wholesome and charming and, and happy baking. So oh. I was very grateful for that. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. How about you? Um, well, Lily is being coy and not sharing <laughs> who she was on uh, a trip this weekend with. But I was there too, as were a couple other of our friends. Um, so Lily and I got to hang out in person this past weekend. Um, typically... Uh, I live in Boston, and Lily lives in New York, so um, we don't always get to see each other, but we did this weekend, and we did go blueberry picking together, and that was lovely, definitely something I'm grateful for. Um, And then I also went to Trivia Night this past week uh, at a local brewery, and it was really fun. Um, They kind of, like, do it big. They have, like, the brewery's fairly large and they've got like multiple projectors projecting questions in different directions and you can play trivia from the other room over there and then bring your score sheet in and stuff like that there were so many different teams and i thought our team was doing pretty well (laughs) like we we kind of nailed it the first two rounds the third round was hard and so we we lost a little bit of points Mm -hmm. and and then they did the points check like after the third round. They were like, here's the points update. There were going to be five rounds total, but here's a points update. And we were like behind 12 other teams oh, or something damn. like that after the first three rounds. And then I was like, oh, there's some serious trivia people here. But it was fun. Like and, uh, and yeah, I was happy to, to go to trivia and I don't know, just hang out and have a little bit of fun. So. Nice. Yeah. Some people are very serious about their trivia. Yeah. Yeah. But that was something I was grateful for. That was a great, that was a great night. Awesome. Well, cool. Should we get into Q&A? Yeah, let's do it. Um, yeah, I think uh, I just I sent you the list of questions a little while ago, and I think mm-hmm. these kind of start to cover some of like, they get into some big topics. Oh, yeah. Um, but maybe we'll try to go quickly and just give some high level impressions and also like, uh, maybe know that there is no real answer to any <laughs> one of these big topics, right? We can't just like quickly give you an answer to, to anything like this, but this is, these are some things that I've faced in my developer career. The things that I hear from people um, that I've coached or on the newsletter or something like that. Um, I don't know if these are also kind of questions that you've faced as well. 
Oh, absolutely. Um, myself, my friends in the industry, a lot of my students when I've been teaching. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's some like foundational core uh, struggles that I, you know, it, it's such an amalgamation of like, it, it feels when we're in this industry of like, there's certain things that are so specific to the struggles of software, looking for software mm -hmm. engineering jobs, mm -hmm. like yep. these types of interviews, all those things. Um, but then also you talk to friends in other fields and there's a lot of analogous, similar frustrations and confusions um, and just kind of like lack of clarity about what a lot of the processes are. Sure. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I feel like like a, a lot of us are in, it's a, it's a very large boat that is, is no one, we, no one can quite tell where we're going. <laughs> well, maybe we can help. Give, yeah. We definitely won't give perfect clarity for anybody, but maybe we can help expose just a little bit of something that somebody hasn't heard before uh, in this quick Q&A. So, uh, ready to jump into it? Let's do it. Cool. So, the, here's here's the first question. Um, <laughs> and I'll pose it to you, but then uh, we can obviously both talk about it. But uh, what <laughs> strategies do you recommend for overcoming imposter syndrome? Um, and building self-confidence in your coding skills. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a huge one, right? Um, do we want to like specify what imposter syndrome is, or do we yeah, feel like I it's think a pretty it's probably helpful yeah. to have a have a definition, or at least what you yeah. think imposter syndrome is? Yeah, Im imposta. I am the pasta. Um, so <laughs> that's that's what it is. Um, so my understanding and experience of imposter syndrome is it's this idea that is very prevalent. Um, a lot of people experience it across like identities and across experiences. Um, but it also gets talked about a lot as, uh, the, the farther you are away from like the center of the power structure in any situation or society, uh, you might be more, more and more likely to feel imposter syndrome. Mm. Um, but I also, it, it, like I, I don't, I don't know if I've met a single person who has not experienced it. It's the, it's the idea that um, when you earn a, a, you know, a job, when you, when you earn an accolade, whatever, when you're moving forward, um, it's this idea that you, you feel like, wow, I must have really tricked someone into thinking that I deserve it over all of the other very deserving people who applied for this job, who went out for this role, um, you know, who, who wanted to go on this date, like <laughs> all of it, it applies across so many different areas of life. Just this sense of, um, I, I don't actually deserve to be here. I didn't earn this. I must've tricked someone into thinking that I was special, that I, I was mm. the right person to pick, uh, when really I'm an imposter. Um, and I've just kind of, you know, tricked my way into all all of the opportunities and and experiences i've ever gotten to have <laughs> yeah so i mean and it doesn't have to be like that i'm just like the trickiest guy ever right? too that i've tricked everybody into <laughs> into believing it but but that i somehow got myself into the situation where everybody else is smarter than me mm. everybody else knows what they're doing and i don't um everybody else like uh, this is easy for them and mm -hmm. it's really hard for me. Um, I think it's easy. Uh, it's tempting. There's a, there's an inclination to, in your mind, think of what things are like for other people. Mm. Um, 
and to compare yourself. Obviously, we're like a very social species, right? We're like constantly comparing ourselves. And, you know, we've heard a ton about how social media doesn't help with this at all. <laughs> um, but like, it it has always been the case that at at work or, you know, yeah, you've mentioned in your friendships and your, in your romantic relationships in all sorts of like on your sports team, like all sorts mm. of times you start to think, wow, I am not as good. You know, I am not as good as everyone else. Um, and so what are some, I guess there's a little definition. I don't know if that's yeah. really a definition or more so <laughs> like a gestalt of what imposter syndrome <laughs> feels like, but, um, what are some strategies that you can use to, to confront imposter syndrome? Yeah. Oh man. We started with a, with a big one. Mm -hmm. Um, well, so one, one thing maybe for me one day that... we'll do a whole podcast on Ooh. imposter syndrome, but, uh, Ooh, like, but maybe we'll do a quick Q and a right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing for me that really changed the game with imposter syndrome, because it's, it's become a really mainstream topic, I think for a lot of people. Um, a lot of people, it, it helps just to like know that other people are thinking it and feeling it. Um, so I know that that was like a big step forward with imposter syndrome. But I think a big thing for me was also this kind of shift because uh, the the way that imposter syndrome is talked about a lot of the time in, in mainstream conversations in like, you know, podcasts about how to get over imposter syndrome. <laughs> Um, what, what a shocking thought, um, is, is as an individual thing, right? Like we are each mm. feeling it individually. It is each our responsibility as an individual to somehow find the strength to move past it or ignore it. And, and like, certainly that is true because we, we live in a situation where like we are dealing with these struggles individually and we do, we are responsible for ourselves and we, we do need to make ourselves move forward. Um, but there's, there's always kind of a big, uh, balancing act. I feel between the thinking about things as an, as an individual problem for you to solve. And then thinking about those same things as, uh, societal pressures that are, are systemic and being put upon us. So one thing that really shifted my, my thoughts with imposter syndrome for a long time, uh, was this, this real, like this realization, this reframing that like, if you're being made to feel like an imposter, um, uh, like that's being done to us in, in a lot of these situations, not always, but in a lot of the situations, particularly with work. Um, and someone, someone also, I remember was saying like, if, if you feel like an imposter, like you probably are one, um, which I thought was really interesting. And they're like the, the, the further going into that was like a lot of the times. So for me as a, as a woman in STEM, there's been a lot of spaces where it's primarily men. Uh, and, and a lot of time, like, I don't feel welcome. You know, I like people didn't want me mm -hmm. to raise my hand mm -hmm. in that class. Um, and it can be very easy to feel like an imposter and to feel like I don't belong here. Um, and yes, you have to do the individual work of like pushing through that, you know, saying, fuck that. Are we, allowed, are we cursing on this podcast? I don't even know. I think, I think I've already ruined it many times. Uh, but like, you know, that's no, like, that's ridiculous. I belong here. I'm going to raise my hand. I, you know, like this is dumb. I'm not here to please these people. I'm here for me. 100% there's that element of it. 
but also like the the people with the power in that situation were the people who had like they were maybe they were they'd been in the major for a little bit longer than me and they were in that classroom and it was all dudes um and they didn't really want me there like they 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 were they were creating a situation in which it it felt like I didn't belong there um and that's a lot of what imposter syndrome is is this feeling this underlying sense that you don't belong in the room you don't belong at the table you don't belong with the power that you are taking for yourself by learning learning these things or by by do, taking the opportunities whatever whatever it is mm. um so just kind of reminding myself that like that that it's it's a system we're we're living in a system at any point we're living in so many overlapping systems um and that the imposter syndrome is part of that system trying to work against me it's not internal to me and if i can if i can remind myself to take the the feelings that feel so internal of of not belonging somewhere and try to kind of externalize them and remind myself that they are coming from the expectations the the requirements of the system i am living in uh then it's it's easier to kind of push past that when it doesn't feel like a personal failing mm. so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think you've hit on something that's really, uh, maybe you've tangentially hit on something that's also important here, which is this whole, like, fake it till you make it culture is yeah. like, it's just, it's a big part of, I don't know, I can only speak for American society, but it is a big part of American society. And then it's, it's an especially big part of tech and like really big part of startups, right? Like, oh yeah, you you start a company, you pretend like the company's successful, but like you've got four customers. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like, it and you just have to sell it, and you have to make it seem like you are great. Um, and I feel like there's some interplay here between these two ideas, right? Of like everybody else wants to make themselves look great and seem great. Mm -hmm. um, even in the engineering organization, you know, and by in so doing, they make by comparison, you, mm. you're seeing their best mm -hmm. and you're analyzing your worst, your weaknesses. Yeah. And, and there's always going to be a gap. There's always going to be a gap. Um, but the thing to remember is that they're faking it too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that basically everybody's faking it. And if you can internalize that well enough, then you start to realize, oh yeah, like, you know, we're all just making it up. Yeah. It's all made up. Yeah. When we <laughs> Which were doing is not the... really advice, like that's not a <laughs> Q and a, but like, it is kind of like my perspective on it. We're all just kind of making this up. Yeah. No, I think it is advice. It's kind of, it's kind of the equivalent or an equivalent of like, just imagine they're all in their underwear, you know, right, like, right. yeah, like it's all made up. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. I, when we were doing the definition of it, I was like, yeah, it's very like, it, we're all told to fake it till we make it, but there's this assumption that everyone else stopped faking it a while ago and they made it and I'm all, the only one still faking it. And that's really <laughs> not true. <laughs> Everybody is still faking it. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Still faking it. <laughs> Ooh, that's funny. All right. Well, I, I think, We've talked about that and we probably could continue to talk about that for an entire episode. But let's oh, yeah. jump over to the next question, which is um, a little bit more maybe practical, mm. technical. When it comes to technical interviews, what are your top tips 
for preparation for performing well. I know you went through kind of a fairly rigorous set of preparation, at least before the job search where oh, we yeah. met. Like, what are your what what general tips would you give people for preparing for technical interviews? Yeah, well, so for context of what Bennett is mentioning there, um, I really lucked out. I was working with someone who was pretty senior in the tech field uh, on on an app, and he offered he he was apparently a thing that that has been happening uh, more and more in Silicon Valley, in particular, uh, is that senior staff level uh, engineers are offering one-on-one mentorship to, to junior people or people get trying to get into the field um, and kind of building their own curriculums to help people get into it. Um, and he said that he, like, he wanted to try that. So um, I'm not going to say his name because I have not talked to him about whether or not uh, that would be yeah. something he'd want. <laughs> um, but yes, so uh, he built this whole curriculum for me that was specifically geared towards interviewing. He he was pretty confident in my my actual engineering skills at that point. I was learning from him. But the, the key was really the separate learning that you have to do to interviews because they're so different in practice than what you're actually doing as an engineer. Um, and so this curriculum was very algorithms based. It was very... Um, like data structures, it was a lot of leak code problems. It was a lot of uh, kind of like remind. Re- uh, there was there was a tiny tiny bit of memorization, um, but it was it was a, of, of certain algorithm algorithmal algorithm uh, structures. Um, but that was really I, I did two hundred and thirty hours I think of um, written yeah, and coding wow. work of like, I have a journal where I would write out the, the leak code prompt and then I would, you know, time myself doing pseudocode and thinking through the problem and then uh, get to the solution and then actually code it up and see if it was correct. Um, and so like that, I mean, that was it. That was that that was the, the process that I highly, highly recommend. And I've actually kind of uh, like turned it into certain certain curriculum that I have now taught as well. Um, taking yeah. that practice. I, I didn't, I, I didn't steal. Um, but yeah, I mean, that is really, that is the process that changed the game for me, uh, was kind of taking a, and it can be hard looking at Lee code or hacker Inc, any of these, um, websites that exist for, for coding practice, specifically for interviews and just kind of knowing where to start. Um, so yeah. yes, I think, yeah, my, my recommendation basically exactly as I was taught is to kind of break it down into these different sections that that uh, Lee code in particular has. Like you can you can specify. I want to only be looking at um, easy questions about stacks, um, easy questions about queues. So you can kind of break it up. The stacks and queues are two data structures. Um, so what I would recommend doing is kind of doing some googling to see you know like what are the classic data structures that are are tested in interviews a lot. There's a pretty standard set of them, stacks and queues being part of it. And then I would, you know, Google, look into what those data structures are. There's some really solid like videos about what they are, different kind of stuff like that. Um, so then once you have an understanding of what that is, put it into practice with five to 10 leak code problems specifically about that thing. And so you start to get to have, mm, a, have mm-hmm. an understanding of like, oh, I'm starting to see the patterns and really ask yourself and try to figure out what are the patterns so that if I were looking at a random question, would I be able to tell from reading it, oh, I, I know that like the pattern that could be useful here is using a stack and kind of building your toolbox of, of becoming familiar with the patterns that are based on certain data structures, certain topics. 
um, certain algorithms, and then getting familiar enough with them that you can start to read random problems and be able to tell what tools in your toolbox might be useful to solve that problem. And then, so once you have a foundation of five to 10 problems that you know how to solve, that you've written out the pseudocode, you know the pattern, um, that you could go back and look at and you have written yourself comments or written pseudocode, whatever it is, so that you can go back and be like, right, 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 right. This is why I did that. This is how. Uh, then you can start doing randomized problems on leak code is my preference. I, that, that, that it's probably clear. Uh, uh, is that the one? That's the one I would recommend using. But there's a bunch interview bit. There's a whole bunch of other other code wars if you like um, uh, competing. Um, but yes, so then you can start doing randomized problems and you have those tools in your toolbox that you can take out and say, ah, this is a heat problem. This is a depth first search. All of these fancy fun topics that you would have no idea to look up if someone had not told you to look up, which love that for us. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important. And then I think it's important to start with the idea of what are the data structures. I also think what you said is pretty key that like, this is not the same thing as what you're going to do during the job. No. Like in the job, you probably won't think about a queue or a depth. Well, you might think about a queue. Actually. You, might think you won't about think a about a depth or search. <laughs> per se, right? Or you might write a depth first search one time, but you wouldn't write mm -hmm. it from scratch. You would use a library to help you do it or something like that. So um, there's a difference between engineering skills, like what you're going to actually do in the job and what you need to know in order to interview well. Uh, yeah. I think that's important. And then do you recommend any certain type of way of studying? Like it's one thing to see a Q problem once. Mm-hmm. But do you recommend going back and reviewing the same problems or just continuing mm. to try new problems over and over again? Ooh, interesting. So, I mean, I, I still have my journal of 230 hours of handwritten practice. Mm. Um, and and I, I don't think it gets better than that. I think that, that really genuinely... Um, because also one of the things about interviewing is that you might not be able to do it on a computer. Like you might be whiteboarding um, which is, is great. Um, but, uh, so it's really helpful, you know, like you always want to practice for, or maybe not. I, that I, mm, interesting. I rescind the, you always want to, my thought was it's helpful to practice for the worst, like for the, for the, for the, you know, crunchiest, most unpleasant interview of like only whiteboarding for four hours, you know, or whatever. But I, I rescind it because like that could just be a red flag that that's maybe not a place you want to work. But so you don't you don't want to want to, uh, you know, kind of limit yourself from trusting your gut by by having that. But um, I, I think it's helpful, like certain companies and, and certain places also are just so new. Like, I mean, I, you at the company that we worked at, first of all, there was a depth first search in the in the uh, the interview question that I did. And I, I, I saw it. and I was like, oh, my gosh, look at. Y'all snuck in a depth first search here. Um, but you didn't need to know the term depth first search or like know that that was the problem solve here um, to solve that problem. But but sorry, I kind of I sidelined myself. Um, you got to come into that situation and help design the interview process, right? Like that was very much uh, implemented after you got there, um, which just to say that like, you know, if you go and have an interview that is like, this is a really not great way to interview, but maybe it's a startup, maybe it's small. And you're like, I feel like I could come in and really like 
help change this culture. Mm. Um, it's not a, a red flag like that isn't an immediate uh, 100% no. It's just yeah. my thought there. Yeah, there's uh, obviously there's a whole other episode we could do on interviewing as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, and about whiteboard interviews and whether they're actually helpful in selecting for what <laughs> companies are trying to select for, which mm -hmm. I tend to think no, like that, that whiteboard interviews are not actually what you want. Useful to, at yeah, all. That, that useful. But, yeah. um, yeah, but yes, the, I'm the sorry. Time box if yourself. You get, if you want to get a job, you're, you're going to have to answer some of these kind of questions or, yeah. or wait a long time for a company that doesn't ask these types of questions. Um, yeah, definitely. But, but sorry, to answer your actual question, yes, I would say time box yourself, whether you want to write it down by hand or not, look at a question in, in, in the code box or by hand, write out your thoughts on it and go through a couple of examples and try to think of, of a solution um, before you code anything at all. That is, is just helpful to get your brain into the practice of thinking about it in certain ways and not getting mired down in like syntax or, or trying to figure out, you know, like write the right, right code to start with. Um, just talking it out, writing it down in, in kind of how your brain thinks about it first. And that might look very similar to code, but just try not to code it right immediately as you are practicing. Um, and get kind of a potential solution down, code it. Always make sure that you are checking how much time you're spending just because it's helpful to see your progress as because you're going to get faster as you get more familiar with with the algorithms <laughs> and the data structures and the patterns. Um, so, yeah, I would say pseudocode it first, um, then code a solution, set try like test it out yourself with a couple of test answers um, before hitting, you know, submit or run. Um, just to make sure that you're starting to think through all of the different um, edge cases of like things that might go wrong. What if it's, you know, an empty input, something like that, um, as just to kind of get yourself into the practice of thinking through these things. Um, and then, and then, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's like, I, I don't know that it would be useful to like memorize solutions you've already done um, because the chances are you are not going to go into an interview and see a, an exact question you've already solved and be like, oh, I know this is exact solution. Um, and also the way that my memory works, it would actually just probably kind of freak me out of like, I've done this before, I know it, but it's gone. Um, so I like, I think, I think practicing the patterns until you can specify the pattern, that would be my recommendation more than like, going back to specific problems you'd already done and doing them again. Um, but, but I think both could be helpful for sure. My one final thing that I'll say on this, and then we'll move on to the next topic yes. is, uh, when you were saying, look at a new problem and see if you can figure out, like think about, mm. write out your ideas about how you'd, how you would solve it. Sometimes I will look at a new problem, um, and take, you know, five minutes staring at it and be like, actually, I can't think of how I would do this. Ooh. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't really know how I would do this. Or like, I can think of some things I would try, but they don't seem very optimal. Mm. Um, my recommendation there is to spend five minutes to think of, to see if you can think of the first thing. The, you know, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Is it a good solution? If you can't think of something within five minutes, basically, just go look at the answer. I don't think there's mm. any harm in going and looking at the answer and figuring out and then deconstructing, okay, what is this answer doing? What is the data structure? What's the algorithm that's at play here? Uh, and working backwards so that you can 
eventually, you know, the next, you know, and you could come back and see that problem some other time and say, okay, now that triggers my memory that like I've looked at the answer before I know this one. Yeah. But there's no use in yeah. just like spinning your wheels for 15 minutes on a problem that you just don't know how to solve. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 100% agreed. You're not going to run out of lead code problems doing that. Yeah, exactly. Like, just yeah. go look at the answer, move on to the next one, see if you can solve it. Uh, don't don't uh, grind yourself to death. So Yeah. Um, okay, mm -hmm. cool. Uh, moving right along, and maybe mm -hmm. we'll, I don't know how many we'll actually get to. Yeah. But um, maybe we can go like super rapid fire. Sure, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Not my, not um, my strong suit. I'll do my best. <laughs> Um, okay, let's talk about um, once you're actually in the job, you're facing some challenging coding problems. Uh, what kinds of problem-solving strategies do you think are most helpful in breaking through those roadblocks that you might encounter when you're working on a hard problem? Yeah. Do you want to go first for this one? Sure. Okay. Um, well, it obviously depends on the nature of the hard problem, right? But so I can't. You can't give like a one-size-fits-all solution to this. Um, but some of the things that I generally recommend are first, uh, let's find the place in the code that needs to change. So chances are you're working within an existing code base, um, and you're trying to implement some new solution or fix some bug. And so there is some isolated space of some isolated piece of the code base, maybe one file, maybe even one function that you need to make a change to. Right. Um, so the quicker you can isolate that down, the better. Um, step number two, I would say, is find some way to get a repeatable uh, feedback loop, some type of process that you can get feedback quickly with. So if you, for instance, write a test, then you'll be able to quickly rerun that test to rerun the code uh, under test. So like rerun that function that you need to change or that, that file or whatever. Um, so a unit test could be helpful here. You might write some script that could be helpful. Um, but as long as you can get fast feedback, then that will help you iterate quickly. And I can see that you're about to laugh because like- The cat, the cat no, no, sorry, there's a cat. The, yeah, I'm sorry. the background of your, of your screen. It's not but, my cat, this isn't my part. Um, but I don't think he's allowed on the thing that he's standing on right now. <laughs> but uh, so what, what, what are your thoughts? What are your quick yeah, ideas so, I mean, about? Yeah, 100%. And I like I you and I have talked about this before. You've talked about it on the, 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 new, the newsletter before. Like, yeah, 100%. The feedback loop is critical. Um, but I also think that with this question, there's kind of there's two elements of it, right? Like there's there's so many, as you said, there's so many different types of, cha of challenging coding problems. Um, but I think like one big thing to think about in the difference between certain ones is like what you're talking about is a bug, right? There's a, a bug has been found. Someone has run into a situation like, you know, a user has, has found that something doesn't work the way that it's expected to, and we need to, or something crashed <laughs> and we need to go in and figure out where the problem is. Um, there's also a whole other set of challenging coding problems of like, you're given a task to do or like a new feature to create and just like, hmm. where do you even start um, is a whole other set of challenging coding problems. Well, no, right? I, I, I don't think that there's a distinction between the two in Ooh. what I was just saying. Like still, when you're building a new feature, you're going to have to build it somewhere, right? So where does mm -hmm. it go? 
and then like how can I go ahead and write a test for that new feature that has the end result that I expect the feature to have and mm -hmm. then iterate until that test passes basically. This is true. This is true. That's a, uh, we, uh, Bennett is an advocate of test-driven development, if, that, if, uh, if you've not heard that yeah, term and, before. And not a test-driven development purist, but <laughs> I am saying that, <clears throat> that a unit test can help you oh, yeah. continuously rerun the code. And that's what I'm an advocate yes. for, is rerunning the code often and getting feedback as close as you can. I see. Yes, 100%. Sorry, I don't know if that's making a noise. I'm going to turn that off. Um, yeah, I think exactly as you said, yeah, I mean, having a feedback loop and also if for anyone who's not necessarily at the point where you're like building a product with unit tests, like print statements is the, the baby version of that. That's also really useful when you're, when you're doing something and even if you have the unit test, um, just, just making sure that you are as aware as possible at every step that your code is taking what your code is doing. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that's that's the most important part and like the core of what you're saying for sure. It's just like the the computer's not gonna talk to you. You you need and like tell tell you what's wrong or tell you what it's doing. You you need to have you need you need to tell the computer to tell you what's going on. Right. You um, gotta go in and yeah. ask yeah and, and and make a make an inquiry about every single piece of it. Yeah. So I think, yeah, all, all of the tools at your disposal to, to make sure that you have as much clarity about what's happening as you possibly can. And that is the feedback, 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 feedback loop. That's the tests. Um, that's the, the print printing out what's going on. Uh, you're like, it's, it's, it's almost like, um, uh, we were we were hanging out with a baby this weekend. It's almost like, like your, your, your code, your computer is a, you know, a very small child that does not have the words to express what is happening. And you need to be curious and inquisitive. You need to be asking the questions. You need to be finding different ways to try and communicate with the small child uh, to, to finally get it to be able to communicate with you what its needs are. <laughs> you just compare computers to babies. I love it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, they get compared to brains all the time. Um, okay, cool. Well, I think that we yes. tried to go rapid yes. fire, so we'll, we'll keep going yes. and then maybe we'll go back and do uh, <laughs> entire episodes about all of these. But, um, okay, one question I want to get uh, your opinion about is how can developers effectively like collaborate, build team culture, um, communicate, and even, you know, often, especially when conflict arises. Mm. Oh, I mean, that's hard. Yeah. That's, that's really hard. Um, I think, uh, man, it's, it, it can be really difficult to kind of take a step back and remember that, like, you're literally on the same team, right? Like, no, no one wants to be coming to work mad or, like, defensive every day. Um, or if they do, you know, like that's, that's a them problem. That's not a you problem. Um, but, but like if, if someone is having very, very strong opinions about the code, about what's it, what's happening at work, um, 
I like that's totally fine. It's good to it's like that can be, you know, as being passionate about your work. I think that kind of almost goes back to um, things that we've talked about before and things that I'm sure we'll talk about more in depth of like, um, you know, work, work shouldn't, I don't think, be like your your be all end all. This is the only thing I care about. Um, And so taking a step back and kind of reevaluating your own self of like, do I need to care so much about this business mm. decision, this coding decision? Loosely like, held opinions, huh? Loosely, ooh, loosely held opinions. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, like, do I do I need to care? Is this? It's <laughs> my new favorite favorite uh, term. Is this the Jonah Hill you want to die on? Um, we don't need to explain that. We're just going to keep going. Um, <laughs> but um, of of like. Is is this a big enough issue? Like, if it, it, it depends on the issue on the on like the 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 struggle coming up at work, right? Um, but if is it a big enough issue that you really feel like, look, I I get that you feel this way. I get that you feel like we should do it this way. But I really strongly feel like that's going to cause us problems down the line. And here I have evidence of of like explanations of why I feel this way, or we've done it this way before, and it's caused a problem. Um, you know, like kind of figuring out, I mean, like it's, it's, it's like any other conflict conversation, right? You're, you are individual human beings trying to come to a solution that works for everybody. And you all want to be on the same side. You're all trying to build the best thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and also sometimes people just don't like each other and that's okay. Um, there's, there's such a great thing that's like been been going around the internet and it came back around recently of like uh you can be you know you can be the the world's juiciest most delicious peach um and some people are still just not gonna like peaches and that's okay um you don't have to like everyone you work with you don't have to enjoy their company i mean like team bonding can still be very fun and useful for making these conversations easier um i don't i don't like i'm not like suggesting we shouldn't do that. I, I, I like that. Um, but, but yeah, you don't, you don't have to like it, the goal to solve a conflict in a work situation, I think can't be solve the situation. And this person has to like me, you know, like it has to be one or the other, and it really can't be this person has to like me. Um, so getting comfortable with yourself with the idea that like, we might not like each other at the end of this conversation, but we do need to get to a solution and we need to be on the same page and move forward. Um, I think that's, that's really important. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. And, and specifically in the context of software development, I'll give two Mm. thoughts that I have. One thought, um, is this idea that process introduces friction. So sometimes you need more friction. Sometimes you need to slow people down. Sometimes things need to slow down and need to go in a certain order, right? And process is good for that. Sometimes the friction is what's causing the conflict, right? Like that we've got too much process and it's making it too hard for us and we need to remove Mm. process. And I think obviously this applies to organizations in general, but like especially in software engineering, we're inclined to add processes or try to do it by the seat of our pants agile style um, <laughs> that in ways that create conflict mm-hmm. um, that could be mitigated either by adding process or by removing process, depending <laughs> on you know, your situation and having to think about it, right? 
Um, the other thing that I was going to say, give me three seconds and maybe I'll think of it. While you're thinking of it, I just want to add to what you just said. To clarify, by process, we don't mean like add tests. Like, yeah, that's a process that needs to be there. Process of like, you know, this team needs to check in with this team and it needs to confirm with mm -hmm. this person. The, these types of process processes that uh, are necessary for as your organization Here's grows. Here's this meeting that we're going to have every week. Here's mm -hmm. this intake form that you have to fill out in order to get anybody to do something. Like all of those types of things add friction. Yeah. And sometimes you need the friction and sometimes you could do less friction. Yeah. 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 Uh, what's the other piece that I was trying to think of? Well, I'll say it sometime if I think of it. Sure. But, uh, cool. We can Let's, edit uh, it back in. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Never forgot it at all. Yeah. Well, like we do that much editing on this podcast. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, cool. Well, thank you, Willie, for doing this rapid fire Q&A. I think we'll like yeah. head toward the wrap up section here. I think so. We've answered a few questions. There's plenty more that we could talk about, um, but we'll have to do a follow up Q&A or something like that. Excellent. Uh, but I would love to hear something that you will rec would recommend to the audience this week. Uh, anything fun that you've heard in your life or encountered yeah. or? Absolutely. Um, so today I'm going to recommend something that I'll, I'll actually Oh, be... I remembered the thing. Oh, wonderful. Sorry. Say to, the thing. Sorry to no, 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 no. Say the thing. The thing I remembered is um, it's a nice mantra to have that the, the last developer or the last manager or the last whoever in your organization did the best job they could with the, mm. with the resources that they had at the moment. And that might not necessarily be true. They might have mailed it <laughs> in and really just not done a great job and really hated their job or something like that. Mm. But you should always just think that. It doesn't hurt any, anybody to think that, to keep that as your kind of operating perspective of like everybody's trying to do the best they can with the resources and the knowledge that they have and uh you know getting angry about it isn't going to help anybody anyway that yeah. was my last piece that's great that i i like that a lot i think that's really that's it not something true it's not necessarily true. right yeah Definitely because, you're, not true. And it, because you're doing it you're you're thinking that for you you're thinking that for your own but sanity you for your own that health. way yeah, yeah. Uh, like it, the other person doesn't matter at that point you're you're in the situation you're in and and you know there's no point in feeling more anger and stress and chaos than than you, we need to because we already have so much of that whether we want it or not elsewise that it's it's helpful to kind of be able to think in ways that that will help you just move through it as swiftly as you can okay yeah. no more anger stress chaos only something that's bringing you joy right now Share perfect with us. great yes okay so uh this is going to be something that i am working on for a long time uh but this will be the uh, maybe the one time i recommend it so i have been working on something called the artist's way mm -hmm. um that uh I, a lot of my it's funny like my mom did it and then uh years ago and now a lot of my friends are doing it um it is a a course in discovering and recovering your creative self. That's what it says at the top right there. Um, and it's a, in and of itself, it's like a 12 week course. And this is a book that goes with it. That's not helpful. Um, and there's like a bunch of reading and some prompts in it. And then um, a, another kind of notebook that you can get with it to fill. It has you do these morning pages. You have to wake up and the first thing that you do when you like get out of bed is write three pages of just kind of brain drain. Um, and a couple of other things like that. And it, the whole point is to get uh, 
just like get more in touch with your creativity, basically. Um, and I like it so far. I'm only four days in, but it's been a good four days. Nice. Wow. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. How about cool. you? Um, so my recommendation, I don't know if this is like a real recommendation uh, that other people should do this, but I have something I've been enjoying recently mm. is I was recently exposed to this word rucking. Have you heard this word? I uh, maybe remind me rucking, I guess is the exercise of carrying heavy loads up and down, like around, you know, like filling huh. your backpack with stuff and going for a walk, basically. Interesting. Um, and the steeper the hill, the better. Oh. So I actually live on a fairly steep hill. Like we're up at the top right now and then, you know, the neighborhood's down the hill. Um, so I've been doing exactly what I just said, like filling my <laughs> backpack and going for a walk, basically, <laughs> through the neighborhood. Um, and it's been really, uh, it's really great exercise. Um, mm. It's not super fun while you're doing it, but at the end of it, uh, I did it this morning. At the end of it, it's like, oh, wow, yeah, I feel like I've actually went out and like carried something, you know, like I, nice. I, I lugged some stuff around and like, you know, <laughs> moved my body and, and, and did some work, which was, uh, which is good, especially since my job is to sit on the sit. computer all day. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Rucking. I don't, rucking. Uh, that's a new, it's a new word to me, but now yeah. I do it. I'm a rucker. There we go. I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> like <laughs> Wonderful. All right. Well, maybe, maybe I'll, maybe I'll try out some rucking. Yeah. Uh, cool. All right. Well, let's wrap this thing up. We've, we've been blabbing yes. for a while now, but, um, <laughs> so let's try to recap as briefly mm. as we can. Some of the answers that we gave for some of these questions. I know we talked a little bit about, um, imposter syndrome mm -hmm. and some ways that we could help that you could help with imposter syndrome. We talked a little bit about <laughs> technical interviews um and preparing for them uh, a little bit about communication and collaboration with your team um solving challenging coding problems i know that's kind of difficult to sum up but do you have any words of wisdom any parting words for us lily oh man yeah i think i think um that that probably a through line through a lot of what we what we talked about um is is that because like it, it's interesting even even the ones that were really personal we talked about other people like how other people affect your experience of imposter syndrome other people affect your interview process mm. um i think it's it's important and helpful to just really remember that like every every everyone every company that you're dealing with everything that you're doing um we're all just people interacting with each other. Um, and that can be really hard to remember when the person, the human you're interacting with is your interviewer and they're mean, you know, like, or, or the person you're interacting with is like the person who wrote the code before and you know for a fact that they were not doing their best. Like that can be, it can be really hard uh, to, to just kind of remember that like humans are humans. We're all faking it. We're all making it. Um, we're all, we're all generally doing the best we can at any given moment. Um, and sometimes our best is not great and it, it is what it is. And we're just going to keep going. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a lovely lesson there in <laughs> like, yeah, just being gracious, uh, mm, with people. other people and with and yourself, with yourself. Yeah. yeah, that's a big one. 
Wow. Well, that's that's the ultimate Q and A right there. We should have just the answer should have just been be gracious <laughs> with other people and yourself. Be gracious with other people and yourself. There you go. Well, fun. Uh, another good podcast. Uh, great talking with you as always, Lily. And uh, we'll be back next week um, with yet another episode. Looking forward to it. See you then. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>